0: Our final game of the week is Georgia at Alabama. Also let me say hello to our friends in the Houndstooth crew. I know that the crew and all our listeners are looking forward to this matchup. Kenneth, this is our game of the week in the SEC, so let's take a deeper look into the matchup. Kenneth was joined by the Georgia Dog of the Southern Gentleman Sports Show to provide the Georgia take on the game and Kevin Hagan to look at the tides' keys to victory in this matchup. You can hear Kevin weekly on the Bill King Show on Nashville Sports Radio WNSR. Here are both of those interviews.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend, the Georgia dog. You can hear him on 850 to ticket, uh, breaking down all of the SEC with the Southern Gentlemen Sports Show. Georgia dog, it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. And let's jump right into it.
2: Good to be with you, Kenneth. Glad to have glad to be on with you.
1: Hey, my friend. Thank you so much. That Georgia defense put on an absolute clinic last week against Tennessee. Uh, basically shutting down uh, that Tennessee offense, forcing punts and turnovers. And going into the weekend, I said three things had to happen for Tennessee to have a shot of beating Georgia. They had to run the ball for over 150 yards. They were going to have to get at least two rushing touchdowns, and they could not afford to have any turnovers in that ballgame. Well, we know that none of those things happened. Uh, they were held, and we know the uh, sacks come off the uh, rushing yards. But the final totals were minus one um, in the rush category. Uh, they had no uh, rushing touchdowns and just three horrible turnovers. And going against this Georgia defense, you cannot have any turnovers, and they had three in that ball game.
2: Yeah, and you know when you look at, and I get the, I get asked the question a lot. Uh, Kirby was actually from my hometown. I watched Kirby grow up, uh, did radio for his high school there in Bainbridge, Georgia. But Kirby's uh, always been a defensive coach, as you can look. Uh, if you look at 24-7 talent evaluator that just, just dropped here the last few days, Georgia's got the number one talent in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, there's not a lot of difference in one in seven or one in eight. I, I mean, you know, their are rankings, but there's not that much difference. Right. When you look at the 16 five stars on the Georgia roster, 10 of them are five star defensive ball players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you got a lot of redshirt freshmen, sophomores, uh, some redshirt sophomores playing. They didn't opt out, they stayed. Um, one of the reasons I think that the Georgia defense is one of the few in the SEC that is excelled right now is because 37 of those kids played a hundred snaps last year. That's right. So they all had a chance to play. Now you're right. What I saw in Tennessee, uh, Jerry Garantano came out first half. He's 11 to 13 mm-hmm. two touchdowns. Georgia was running a base defense, not a lot of pressure. Right. And and what Georgia wants to do is to get you in a situation Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Tennessee had run, uh, you know, Georgia had run a lot of plays in the first half. They knew they were wearing down Tennessee's defense. So they come out in the second half. Kirby, same thing he did to Baker Mayfield in the Rose Bowl. Yes, uh, Baker was 9.1 yards the first half and 1.9 the second half. But he started sending the pressures. Uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee could not block them. Uh, the turnovers that Jared had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, two of those were blindside hits where he was straight They shooting. were. Yeah, and the one pass he threw over the middle, he was contested. a guy was on him uh, as he threw it, so he didn't get everything he wanted on the ball. Mm-hmm. But I thought Tennessee came out with a very, you know, you, you can tell Jeremy Pruitt's coaching that football team because when they get hit in the mouth, they want to hit you back now. And I think what happened in that ball game, Georgia out them. They had too much right. depth for them. Uh, but I'm telling you, I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised at how well Tennessee – how physical they were and and I think they're a couple years away but you know Kenneth I've said it before you you don't plant a tomato tree and pick tomatoes tomorrow. That that is absolutely right
1: and one of the things I I said last weekend was and we're dealing with the school year here it was midterms it was kind of Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt's midterm uh, to kind of see where they were as a program and in the SEC East the, the measuring stick right now is the Georgia Bulldogs and like you said, first half Tennessee wanted to go, you know, 22 on 22, but once you got into that, right, right after halftime, you saw Kirby say, "Okay, look, we got to send, we got to send literally the dogs after Garren We can't let him be comfortable in the pocket," and they just exposed that weakness of the the blocking. Uh, pass blocking for for Tennessee and just really did a fantastic job. And hats off to Kirby for for spotting um, something in in their in their blocking system and just absolutely exposed it.
2: Yeah, because you know they had five five star kids or five or you know maybe four five stars and a four star. I'm not sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But obviously, what we learned from offensive lines, Kenneth, uh, the closer you are to the ball. The longer mm-hmm. it takes to jail uh, right? Quarterback, center, guards, tackles, uh, running backs are easy. To, you can take a freshman running back and put him in a wide receiver. But mm-hmm. the closer you are to that football, the more you have to be in sync with everything. And right. so I just think that their offensive line. Now, I would. I don't know that I'd want to play that offensive line in late November, right? You know, because I think they grow and they continue to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, like I said, Tennessee came out. Jeremy had a good game plan. Uh, Georgia did not want to get beat over the top. But the kid, Palmer, two great catches. And, and Gary Thomas yes. put it on the mark. So, But, you know, Tennessee mm-hmm. never won on a long drive. Uh, so mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the thing that, that Georgia wants to force you into. Uh, they did it in both games against Alabama, the national title game and the SEC title game. Uh, That's correct. The last play of the national title game, obviously, but they they don't want to get they don't want, they want you to have Georgia wants to get you in the red zone and take the mm-hmm. speed away, everything you have, compress right. the field down and make you kick field goals. That's what they want to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And we see that with with uh, the defense of Georgia. The, the Georgia defense, and this was a stat that absolutely jumped off the page at me, they've only faced two red zone opportunities on defense, and that was both against Auburn, and they both and both times they forced Auburn to kick field goals when Auburn had the opportunity to stay in that ball game if they could have punched it in. But credit to the Georgia defense for blowing their backs up and saying you're not getting it in the end zone. And you're right, they they compressed that, that field and forced you to – Really dig deep into your playbook if you're going to get seven against them. Yeah,
2: because you, you look at this Alabama game coming up, and you got Waddle, and uh, you know Devontae Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. going to Georgia. It's going to be hard to get behind Georgia. It's going to be hard to get the long pass. Now, if you look at uh, the Ole Miss game, I think four passes. Uh, they had like 400 something yards passing. 240 of that came on four plays. So th- that was the thing under Tua. It was the thing under Jalen. Jalen was a much better deep thrower than he was a mid-range thrower. But mm-hmm. Tua liked to throw the ten-yard slant and Waddle and Judy and those guys take it eighty. Now he could th- obviously Tua could throw it anywhere he wanted to. Right. But that was the that was their mentality, and we saw Damian Harris start this last week running the ball more. And mm-hmm. that's what Georgia wants to do in this game is to is to make Alabama drive the football. We're not going to let you get over the top. We're not going to fall for, behind by fourteen because Waddle gets loose on an eighty-yarder. You know, right? Can you play this defense on a 15, 18 play drive? And that, and that's kind of what they did to Tennessee. And Georgia, dog. Let's let's jump right into the
1: the 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 the. the I think. It's going to be the, the the first matchup between these two teams. I, I fully expect uh, to see these two teams going head to head in the Georgia Dome for for all the chips. And that loss by Florida against the Aggies really gave Georgia basically a mulligan in this ball game, to where Georgia doesn't need to win this game. They want to win it, but they don't. They don't have to win it because. Florida basically gave them a throwaway game. Yeah.
2: Um, and the same thing goes for Alabama, too, Kitty. Uh Right. You know, because both of these teams are going to be favored in every game after this. Uh, if you've mm-hmm. got Georgia and Alabama sitting there with one with – let's say one of them's got a loss and one doesn't. Let's say Alabama wins this one and Georgia wins the SEC title game. Alabama's getting in because they, they lost to a top one or two team. Same thing, right. same thing with Georgia. If they lose – uh, this game and beat Alabama, then Jordan, or or, or to win this one and lose the SEC title game, they're going to get in too, because the Pack twelve not going to be a threat to take a spot. So right, it's it, it's a great game. Uh, it's going to be one of those classics. But whichever team, that, see what I think happens, and I said this since May, mm-hmm. it would not surprise me for Georgia to lose this ball game, and and if they do, I think they win the SEC title game. And the reason mm-hmm. I say that is this: uh, with Stetson Bennett, and of course, to start with, it was Jamie Newman. Then it was J.T. Daniels. Then it was DeJuan Mathis. Well, now we're down the stairs. Right. Stetson's done a real good job with Jake from Part Two. Uh, a little faster than Jake was, but not even. And, and Jake didn't have a, a strong arm either. But Stetson's not quite as strong as Jake's was. But mm-hmm. I just knew that coming in to this Alabama game with Mike new a new system, uh, a new quarterback, that this offense won't jail until late in the year. And right. So I think that for Georgia to maximize their offensive potential, then we've got to see J.T. Daniels. Now, if you go back, <clears throat> excuse me, you go back and see the touch the, the long pass to Curious Jackson. I think it was in the Auburn game. He had to wait right. on the ball. Almost caught it sitting down
1: uh, mm-hmm. because
2: he couldn't get the ball out far enough for him. We thought Matt Landers on a breakout route uh, couldn't get the ball to him. Uh, your your best offensive weapon has caught eight passes, and that's George Pickens. You, you know that that's 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 your Jerry Judy. That's your guy that is, is your number one receiver. That's your Jalen Waddle. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on George's team. And oh, exactly. To not have him a big part of the offense up to now is, is twofold. One, uh, it's bad but you're 3 and 0. Oh, and two, you, you wonder sometimes if Kirby had played a little cat and mouse with Nick going into this game too. I, I, there again, I don't know. But I think you have to I, and, and I'm glad
1: you And I'm glad you brought up uh Kearius Jackson um uh, because Breaking down this th- this game, he is the he is the one that I'm looking at. If, it, it, and and you see this with quarterbacks when when they've worked with a guy um, where they get comfortable. You saw it. You saw it with uh, Tua. He was comfortable with Judy. If if it, if it was one of those I got to have it plays, he was looking to Judy. And and I'm seeing that same kind of connection uh, with Bennett and, and Jackson there. He's looking for Jackson when he's when he's wanting to take a deep shot. It's Jackson and not and not Pickens he's looking to with that first. Record. Absolutely.
2: And you know what? Uh, two guys that I think you, you that we have to pay attention to in this ball game is a a transfer tight end out of Florida State, McGinty, that uh, mm-hmm. just got healthy, had a couple catches in the game uh, Saturday against Tennessee, uh, and Darnell Washington. Now. Darnell Washington was the number two athlete in the country last year, five-star kid, Mm 6'8",
0: 260,
2: uh, can block as a tight end, but he was actually listed as an athlete. Right. I I think because in the game against Ole Miss, Ole Miss wide receivers, neither one of them caught caught passes for over 30 yards. It was the guys out of the backfields and the tight end that killed them the running back side of the backfield, over the middle, and Alabama never adjusted to it. Now, I can bet you that Nick Saban's working on that part of his defense every day this week.
1: And I think – and credit to Lane for for, for knowing knowing the tendencies of Nick, especially on third downs, where he said they're going to look to the sidelines and they're going to try to get all the adjustments – and Lane was like, "That's when we go. Hurry up. That's when we 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 force the force the issues." And you're right. That that delayed what I call delayed tight end go route, um, where the Ole Miss tight end just basically runs runs a seam route and, and goes for I think it was 70 yards on that touchdown. It was a delay where it looked like he was blocking, paused for two counts, and and then he releases. I would expect and – to, to kind of snip that tape and says, hey, this is something that I got to put in my pocket to use on, on Sarah. Yeah,
2: and, and I, I, you're exactly right. And, and Todd Monken has done a really good job. If you look at the throws that Stetson Bennett has made and, and you look, you, you break the game down and you watch every completion, he is
1: mm-hmm.
2: extremely good on third and more than 10. Ninety percent of the throws he's made on third and more than ten, he's completed. Mm-hmm. He's completed 72 percent of his passes on third down. But if you look at the, the throws that he is making, the receivers, they're very few that are contested. They're wide open. Right. They're they're four or five yards between, you know, the receiver and the defensive back. That's not going to be the case this week. And I think for Georgia like I said earlier for Georgia to reach their potential it's going to take either a JT Daniels or a Carson Beck to play quarterback at Georgia to take, to take mm-hmm. advantage of cuz cuz right now everybody's playing you on a 40 yard field yeah, they're, they're they're not worried about right. you going deep
1: So what are your what are your three keys For if Georgia is to to go into Tuscaloosa, because I call this another one of those midterm games where we won't learn everything as far as the final exam, but we'll kind of get a little bit better indication of where these two teams match up. Um, What are your three keys for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs to come into Tuscaloosa and get the win? The last two
2: times Georgia has played Alabama, the national title game in 17 and in the SEC game. In those two games, Alabama and Nick Saban has never taken a snap with a lead. In 120, right. 120 minutes of football, they've never taken a snap with a lead. So Georgia has jumped out on Alabama. And then even Jim Chaney said later that he did pull the reins back some in the national title game uh, on Jake Fromm because he was trying to protect that lead. Uh, you can't do that with Alabama. You've got to start fast now. We've seen Georgia play three games and only play three halves of football. The Arkansas game, we didn't. That's right. Georgia didn't play a good first half. They they were down seven to five. Then they came out, dominated the second half. Uh, and th- the same thing with Auburn and with Tennessee. So w- w- Georgia's got to start fast and allow the defense to do what it does. Uh, that the front seven of Georgia has twenty guys that are five or four star athletes. Now, they have packages for everything you want to do. Third and five, they got a package. Third and nine, third and ten, they got a mm-hmm. package. Third and two, they got a package, and they run them in and out, in and out, in and out. Now, these are the kids that played hundred snaps last year. So you've got to right. give that. You got to get a lead and let this defense take some chances. Um, that's one thing mm-hmm. you got to start the game with. Because everybody wants to get a lead. That's kind of like, you know, that, that's without saying. Uh, and the second thing is, if Georgia, if we go to halftime of that game and it's 2017 Alabama or 21-18 Alabama, then I'm thinking Georgia wins the football game uh, based on what this mm-hmm. year has been and what they've done in the second half adjustments against Baker Mayfield, Tua Tagovailoa, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, all three guys sat in New York City at a Heisman uh, presentation. Two of Mm -hmm. them were set on the bench by Kirby, Tua and Hurts, and the other guy, well, he lost in double overtime. So (laughs) the second thing, that's the second thing. The third thing, get the running game going, uh, play Mm -hmm. Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton more. Uh, there was one play, Kendall Milton ran. Where he's a true freshman out of California. He's five star kid. And nine Tennessee mm-hmm. players hit him. It was only an eight yard run, but it's one of the greatest I've ever seen. Is for an eight yard run. And then Kenny McIntosh is leading the country in kick returns, or maybe second in the country in kick returns. So he he see this is the thing. Zamir ran the ball twenty two times for fifty yards. Kenny ran it eight mm-hmm. times for fifty six. And Kendall will run it like eight or nine times for 52. So, Zamir White, and I love Zamir White, but they're giving some, Zamir's running everything between the guard and the tackle. So, the third thing that's is right. they got to get the running game going. They got to get these freshmen in there. If they fumble the ball, fine. Lick your wounds. If you get beat, go back, get ready and play next week because that's what we do in the SEC. But those are the keys that's, me, right. Kent, that's right. That's uh, right. Kenneth.
1: I would say, and I, and I think you're spot on Georgia cannot, um, have the, the kind of, the kind of, I would say fall behind, especially in the first half. We, we know what this Alabama offense does in the first half. They, they put, they, they can put teams to to bed really early. Nobody scores more in the first half than Alabama this season with 84 first half points. Um, they can, and I call it the, the, the golden state effect, where if you're not careful and you're, you're punting the ball or you're turning the ball over on downs, kind of what we saw with Georgia going into the half against Tennessee, you can't afford to have those kind of mistakes this, this uh, weekend against Alabama because that offense led by Mac Jones, and I call it the three headed monster at wide receiver with Michi, uh, Waddle, and Smith. They can put points up really quickly, and if you're Georgia, you don't want to fall behind by more than two scores because that takes the running game off of the table because you're going to have to play catch-up, and I think what for Alabama, they're going to want to jump on Georgia early, get them down by 10, 13 in the first, first half, and put the pressure on Kirby to see, okay, are we going to stay with the running game, or are we going to go – passing 75%. Oh, there's no present. doubt
2: that Alabama is the deadliest offense. And everybody wants to, you know, last year LSU had a defense, an offense with Joe Burroughs that, that you know, uh, in a lot of ways is never going to be duplicated. Uh, but this Alabama offense, and when you look at what Tua did his first three ball games at Alabama, now I will say he, he didn't play as much in those games as Mac Jones did but Mac Jones is, ab- is absolutely right. matched him and beat him in some categories. Mac Mac Jones I would be and people asked me this earlier in the year before that we got the kickoff would you rather see Bryce Young or Mac Jones? I said Bryce any day. I don't know what <laughs> Mac Jones could do. Yeah, but you're right. If Alabama gets a lead and a big lead, then Georgia's forced to make a quarterback change. Uh This this is the question I have from Matt Johnson, Alabama. Are you patient enough Mm -hmm. with a great defense? Are you patient enough to punt the ball three or four times, hit the big play when you can get it, run Harris enough, Mm -hmm. Najee Harris, I think I said Damon earlier. uh, Do do you have the patience Mm -hmm. to play this kind of game? Because you're not used to it. Uh, You haven't had to do it. And I used to get asked all the time, why didn't Alabama run the ball anymore? My God, man. Last year we had duty of those guys and they're ten <laughs> yards behind a cornerback. Why the hell do you want to run the ball? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard I tell people it's it's
1: hard to run the ball when you're scoring in in Yeah, no, I mean my God, no, this. no.
2: Well, we need to run the ball. We need to get tough. No, you don't. No, you don't. No when you, you're gonna just pass up a, a, a touchdown pass just so you can run no, no, man. But sometimes we, that gets to be uh, a blessing and a curse because a curse. you get in those games mm-hmm. where you, you go up against a see. I've always believed that in college football, and, and to some extent professional football, but college football more than anything else, your strength versus their strength. You play in a team that's, let's uh-huh. say, Oklahoma. Let's use them for an example because they're a great example. Oklahoma with Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley, would play and and score fifty five points a game, get in a playoff situation or a bowl game with an SEC school or somebody that played defense, and that was the end of the story mm-hmm. because they weren't they, they didn't know how to transition into that kind of football game. So all, all of a sudden, everything's not right. easy. Are you patient when it's not easy? And that's that's the question I have for Alabama's offense. Are they going to be patient if? They're not hitting the big strikes like they're used to hitting.
1: And I think you're right. And that's something that I know for me going into this ball game, what I'm going to look for, and especially in the first half, I want to see how many times Alabama is able to get in the red zone because this Alabama offense, when they're in the red zone, they score touchdowns. And Georgia doesn't allow teams to get into the red zone. So you kind of want to see that 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 kind of boxing match, if you will. Does does Georgia give up enough enough of those um, explosive plays to where Alabama's in the red zone, and then what does Alabama yeah. do
2: once they're and there? that's going to be the key. One of the keys is going to be, and and people talk a lot about uh, Stingley at LSU. Uh, there's a kid at Georgia who went to school with Patrick Sertain. Uh, they were both. Very, yes, very highly rated five stars out of, uh, I think, IMG Academy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I may be wrong there. You can uh, bullet check me on that later, Kenneth. But both of these kids, mm-hmm. uh, Tyson Campbell is is the kind of kid that can take a waddle because he did it with Judy. He did it. Or I think him and, of course, you had, uh, oh, Lord, the kid that went to the New York Giants. um you have those, yes. You know, um, you have those old man moments sometimes. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you have those 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 cornerbacks that can take away. Now, are you going to sh- totally shut down Jason Waddle? I don't care who you are; you're not doing that. Now, this kid, this kid is a next mm-hmm. level talent, Devontae Smith. But it, the, the question remains again: Can you, if these guys are not able? You know, I think Georgia's going to be happy with the twelve to fifteen yard route that they complete it, and they, and they keep going down the field. But I, I do not think Kirby Smart, because it's never been his mo, is to let you get the eighty yard pass on a ten yard slant. That that's not Kirby's game.
1: Right. And Georgia Dog, wrapping it up here, um, once again, I want to say thank you, my friend, for coming on. It is going to be one heck of a matchup, and I, I, I say it all the time. This is why you play in the SEC is you're going to be tested week in and week out, and nobody does it better than the SEC. And I'm looking forward to seeing these two great coaches and these two great teams who our charter members of the SEC but don't get to see each other uh, nearly as much, so whenever
2: they do square off. It is, it's and, you know, best of luck to both teams, Kenneth. Uh, God bless everybody. Hope nobody gets hurt, and you know what I got to say, right? Doggone. Yes, sir. Doggone. You can catch
1: Georgia Dog. Daw- Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to be joined by a good friend, and nobody knows the University of Alabama football like my next guest, and that is Mr. Kevin Hagan. Kevin, my friend, first of all, thank you for coming on, and as I've told everybody, I can't thank you, Evie, Bill King, and Georgia Dog enough for really showing me how to get into this business, and most of all, how to be a professional. So, Kevin, my friend, thank you, and glad to have you on.
3: Uh, Thank you, my friend. It's a tremendous honor, although it does make me worry that maybe you've run out of quality guests now that you've gotten all (laughs) the way down the batting order to me.
1: Not at all, my friend. Hey, so as I uh, mentioned with Evie, um, we went to an SEC game and a Big 12 game broke out um, last Saturday in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, Share with with the listeners your thoughts about that, that
3: game. Yeah, I was texting my friends during the game saying, wow, this is what it's like to be in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, we got everything but the snow. Um, you know, I mentioned last week when I did my weekly segment on Bill King's show um, that I would not be surprised, <coughs> excuse me, that Ole Miss uh, scored well over 30 points. And if you'll remember, I even threw out the number 500 total yards would not scare me. I knew that Lane, uh, with his Play calling would uh, have the ability to roll up some some yards and numbers on the Alabama defense. But I was sickened and disgusted by what I saw from the Alabama defense. And I'm not I'm not really talking about going up against the play calling uh, uh, from Lane Kiffin. I'm talking about the missed tackles, the being out of position. Uh, it was like the Kirby Smart days. I remember when our defense, when the ball was snapped, uh, 11 guys looking at the sideline, trying to figure out mm-hmm. what the last minute uh, adjustment was. Uh, I had a, I, I got a number, uh, I'd be careful where I got this number from, but uh, I had a number that uh, it, I want to say 31 missed tackles on film saturday yes. that, that that is freaking disgusting i mean that's the kind of numbers that you expect from a middle school game from two right. 500 programs whoever thought we would have a nick Saban coach defense with over 30 missed tackles in a game and i'm just going to be real honest i mean there's some of these uh players on the alabama defense that have you know been given holy grail status well i'll tell you right now uh, the first person that i want to call out for a pro, a lot of missed tackles and horrible play Saturday night was none other than Mike linebacker, Dylan Moses. He had an absolutely atrocious game Saturday night and I'm not putting all the blame on him, but Dylan Moses was one of them uh, along with Daniel Wright and DeMarco Helms, that uh, they stunk to the join up Saturday night.
1: Absolutely. Kevin, um, that missed tackle number that you came up with is pretty close with um, some of the numbers that, that I, I saw after the game and, Credit to Lane Kiffin for understanding Nick's um, adjustment patterns. I call it trying to play chess when um, when it's third down. Nick loves to get into those sub-packages. Sub and once he sees whatever that offensive formation, typically uh, with his defense, you see the – the linebackers and most of the team now looking over to the sidelines, trying to get that last second adjustment and Lane absolutely pounced on it. And uh, one of the stats that I don't think I've ever seen from a Nick Saban coach team in over 20 years of him being a head coach at the collegiate level, quarterback throwing for over 350 yards, two different running backs going over 120 yards, both running backs having two touchdowns in a single game two wide receivers going over 120 yards and also having two touchdowns. I, I don't think I ever thought I would see the day where a Nick Saban defense would have those kind of numbers put up against it.
3: No, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Jerrion Ely and uh, Snoop Connor. There were times Snoop Connor, uh, you know, looked like Walter Payton out there. Uh, and, and the disgusting thing for me too, and I, I mentioned it last Friday on Bill's show, was you know one of my keys to the game was that the Alabama defense was going to have to finally figure out how to get off the field on third down. And as we all know, they failed in that. They're they're now uh, what what is their numbers now? I saw what three for thirty four, last in the nation, eight point eight percent on on third down, and that's what really angered me in the game with the number of of third and longs that that they were able to convert on in the second quarter they do they converted on a third on a third and 12 they had a 17 yard pass they had a third and 27 he rushed for 22 yards to make it fourth and five and then they hit an 18 yard pass but I, th- I think when i really lost it and it's a, it's amazing that i didn't break uh, break anything on my desk <laughs> was in the second quarter the fourth and one kenneth and snoop connor goes for a 26 yard rush on a fourth and one um That's Mm -hmm. absolutely unheard of. I mean, Ole Miss was 9 of 17 on third down. But three of those nine conversions uh, were of over 10 yards. And and, and, uh, Ole Miss Evie, I know today, mentioned on her segment on the Bill King Show, tight end Yeboah, uh, he had a career Mm -hmm. night. Well, guess what? You know what? If I was the tight end for Georgia, I would be in my pads on Saturday morning about 6 a.m. on the sideline ready to go because absolutely. tight ends are absolutely eating this Alabama defense alive. If Texas A&M had the offensive wizard coach that, ever, that they think that they have, they have a phenomenal tight end, and he could have had a field day against us a week earlier. So, I mean, that, that tight end position, it's just that glaring open area in the middle of the field. But here's the reality of that. Um, you know, we talk about Lane Kiffin, and Lane is a brilliant offensive mind. But Lane has evolved since he's left Alabama, and he had he's yes. learned from Nick Saban to learn that you know one of the great things about Saban typically is he brings in great minds and he picks great minds. Well, Lane Kiffin has really embraced that Art Browse coaching tree. You know, you know he had Kendall browse with him at F- FAU, mm-hmm. and now he has Jeff Leeby. Uh, who was on the Baylor staff with Art Briles as uh, his offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, and I'm actually told that it was Jeff Leeby that was calling the play Saturday night and gutting that Alabama defense. And he is the hot new name in offensive coaching. He will have a head coaching job, or he'll be in the NFL as a coordinator very, very soon. If you don't know the Jeff, the name Jeff Leeby, uh, you will soon because he's going to be a household name in offensive circles.
1: Well, Kevin, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and. Just watching um, a lot of the Georgia tape, uh, they have not one but two outstanding tight ends, and their quarterback Bennett loves throwing that tight end seam uh, pattern, which Alabama has, as you pointed out, have given up huge chunk yards on on those kind of routes.
3: Oh, they have, and and it, that's that's a real concern. I mean, uh, the bottom line is the 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 first thing uh, on the defensive side of the ball going into the game Saturday, in my opinion. Uh, is that Alabama has to simplify the defense. Uh, and I, I've, I've told the story before in the Bill King show about how Jeremy Pruitt went to Nick Saban at halftime of the Mississippi game in Starkville in 2017 and didn't ask permission. Mm-hmm. He told him, I'm going to simplify the defense because if we don't, you're going to get your butt beat. We're not going to get out of here with a win. And, and there would have been no national. Now, that's a true right. story. If it wasn't for Pruitt having the yes. cojones, he didn't ask for permission. He, he did it. Okay. Well, we're mm-hmm. not going to get that from Pete Gold. And the other thing is, I mean, tackle, tackle, tackle. I mean, is it, how hard is it? That's tackling is effort. It, it doesn't require a tremendous amount. It is, tackling is all about effort. And the other thing that worries me, uh, you know, is the eye discipline that this defense has got to have. I, I can assure you Georgia will score a touchdown on at least one wheel route Saturday. I guarantee I guarantee it. Kenneth. I guarantee it as sure as I said here. And then the improved communication. Mm-hmm. And communication takes a huge blow uh, with the loss of Jordan Battle. There isn't anybody in that secondary, that, in my opinion, that we could afford to lose worse than Jordan Battle. And it was a good call. It was a stupid hit on his part late in the game. The, the call was the right call. That is going to be a massive first-half loss uh, for Alabama's secondary.
1: And Kevin, t- turning our attention to uh, the upcoming game, I think everybody by now has heard the news that um, Coach Saban has um, tested positive for COVID, and we all wish uh, Coach Saban a speedy recovery. Um, you mentioned Jordan Battle being out. Um, two, two names that I circled on that Alabama defense who um, either they don't understand what wrapping up is or they just refuse to, and that is Harris and Daniel Wright. So many times I saw watching that old Miss tape where he was basically trying to shoulder tackle a guy um, when all he needed to do was wrap the guy up, play fundamental, which I know the Alabama defense uh, coaches, and just stop um, the ball carrier. So many of those long runs, um, both from Ely and Connor, came off of guys not wrapping up, and just trying to knock a guy over with a shoulder. Oh, absolutely! Down. I mean,
3: I I go back and I think about Daniel Wright's uh, pathetic effort at the end of the first half in the Texas A and M game, which resulted in the 47 yard touchdown run because he did a little shoulder bump. At the time that happened, I I laughed mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, "So what 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 would have happened? What would have happened to that young man if he'd have pulled that stunt under Coach Bryant? And then what if he'd have pulled that stunt under Nick Saban ten years ago? I'll be real honest with you." 2010 Mm -hmm. nick saban uh my advice to him would have been uh run to the texas a&m sideline and ask for political asylum uh so this is not like it was a one-time occurrence in the old miss game as you mentioned from the players you've mentioned we've seen a Mm -hmm. lack of physicality and the inability to wrap up and tackle from them consistently uh throughout the year and uh there's just no excuse for it i mean like I said, that doesn't require a tremendous amount of talent. That's just fundamentals, and that's also coaching. And it goes, and I think a big part of this, and I talked about this last year on Bill King Show, we're getting to the point where, and, mm-hmm. you know, and this will make a lot of Alabama fans mad. The quality of assistant coaches on this Nick Saban staff isn't anywhere where it was five or six years ago. You know, five or six years ago, at one point he had Good seven would be or eventual head coaches on his staff. He one now, and Steve Sarkeesian, and and I think that is rearing its ugly head, Kenneth and these lack of fundamentals we're seeing on the field.
1: And I would also um, caution Alabama fans to understand that Ole Miss offense is going to put a lot of damage on a lot of teams' um, uh, defensive stats. But you're right. The the one thing um, we've seen all great defensive head coaches um, absolutely focus in on, defense is about effort and commitment. You have to one – You have to have the effort to tackle, and then you have to commit to the tackle. And we've seen, um, and not picking on Daniel Wright, but him, Christian Harris, uh, Dylan Moses looks absolutely lost to me playing the Mike linebacker right now. He's spending way too much time looking over to the sidelines. And I think um, him, even though he's a, a junior, he hasn't had a lot of snaps at that Mike linebacker position calling it. And one of the things I talked about uh, going into the season was this Alabama offense and defensive line coming back home and playing a physical brand of football. We've seen a lack of being able to run the ball. I know what the the numbers were in the Ole Miss game, but I kind of take those numbers as fool's gold. Um, I I don't see this Alabama defense having what I call an alpha dog or a leader um, in that front seven, a Rolando McClain, a CJ Mosley, a um, Jonathan Allen. I don't see someone grabbing anybody besides anybody by their shirt collars and saying, this is not the Alabama standard and we have to get to that. So, What for you is going to be uh, some of the keys for um, the Alabama defense in this game going up against a
3: Georgia team that has struggled uh, running the ones I mentioned earlier? Two other keys for me are this. Uh, The first one is uh, the defensive line has absolutely got to learn to get off blocks and get into gaps. We used to be great at that. We would throw people aside, and we jump into mm-hmm. running lanes, and the and and, and the linebackers and, and the secondary rarely had to deal with the plays because they were the running plays were stopped at the offensive line. Our defensive linemen stay engaged; <laughs> they're not able to get, they're not able to get off the of blocks. And the second thing is, and going back to what I mentioned earlier, they've absolutely got to get off the field on third down. It's absolutely imperative, mm-hmm. especially when they've got you know, Georgia, you know, third and five or less, you cannot continue to allow this Georgia defense to, to stay on the field. It's a very great, I mean, it's a great offensive running game that Georgia has, but it's not, it's not unstoppable, but it's going to be, if you can't, if those if the defensive line, this is what I'm going to be looking for early in the game, Kenneth, on the defensive side of the ball. If those defensive linemen for Alabama cannot get off their blocks, it could be a very long day on that side of the ball.
1: And Kevin, just just looking at um, kind of the game script, I I, I've kind of kind of looked at for for this game. It is basically strength on strength and weakness on weakness at this point. It's that Alabama juggernaut of an offense going up against the best front seven in all of college football in the Georgia Bulldogs. But I think um, Kirby tipped his hand with uh, his game plan in the second half against Tennessee. He wasn't getting home against that Tennessee offensive line just playing his base and, and just rushing four. In the second half, right out of the gates, you see Kirby and that defense starting to bring five, starting to bring six, and they were getting pressure on Garantano enforcing a lot of those mistakes that the Tennessee offense made. You had the fumble that led to a touchdown. You had just a terrible interception where Garitano is throwing off his back foot, that leads to another score, and th- finally the 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 basically the the game seller where um, Monte Rice um, comes in on a blitz. Uh, Garitano doesn't see him. He strips it, goes in for for a fumble six. This Alabama offensive line, as much as we talk about it not being a physical offensive line, it is probably one of the best pass-blocking offensive lines. And Mac is playing with extreme confidence. Uh, he feels and looks to me like he, he's, he's mastering the offense. And
3: they're going to probably have to start blitzing him. Oh, he took the words right out of my mouth. This is, that's the strength of this Alabama offensive line is its ability to pass block. And Alex Leatherwood and Evan Neal are elite, elite pass blockers. So I would be shocked if Georgia had any success uh, bringing bringing pressure off of the corners. And and another thing that's going to play into this passing game on Saturday, and the young man deserves credit for it, is Najee Harris has improved tremendously in his pass blocking ability. When he came in as a freshman at Alabama, he didn't think it was a part of his job description. Mm -hmm. He now takes tremendous pride in that. And That's going to be a huge part of the game Saturday, and another thing that I think Alabama fans need to realize is is the fact that the reality is Mac Jones does a has shown me in in his uh, you know three starts this year. He does a great job of staying patient in the pocket when there's pressure. You know, there were times when there was pressure in the pocket that Tua would sometimes force passes into trouble. But Max seems to stay patient. So I'm, he's not fleet of foot. I'm not saying he's going to tuck the ball and run, but I have a lot of confidence in Max. Not Max, not afraid to get hit, and he's durable. Okay. Uh, he's not porcelain. He's, he's, he's the real deal. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, if there is pressure, Mac's going to stand in and he's going to step up when necessary and deliver the ball. So I will be very, very shocked if Alabama um, isn't able to move the ball through the air. Now, one thing I think we'll have to, to, to you know, Look at Saturday. Is Georgia has a really strong secondary. Alabama's gained a lot of yards after the catch. Their receivers have in their first three games this year. I don't know that we'll see as many yards mm-hmm. after the catches um, as we have. But uh, I, I think if Georgia fans think they're going to come in and shut down Mac Jones in this passing game, I think they're in for a real rude awake.
1: And Kevin, great point there, and that was something in um, my earlier conversation with the Georgia dog breaking down that that Georgia that Georgia um, game plan, that was one of the things that he mentioned. He said, don't expect Alabama to get those huge chunk um, yards um, after the catch. And can Alabama be patient enough on offense to take those 12, 13, 14 play drives and um, not worry about hitting that, that home run shot that Alabama over the past two years have hit for a record I think it's 16 straight games where the Alabama offense has scored, (laughs) scored over 35 points, which is an NCAA record. Never thought I would say that about an Alabama offense. One thing that I saw um, (laughs) or haven't seen, and everybody knows my my thoughts about Lane Kiffin being one of the best play callers I've ever seen. Coach Sarkeesian doesn't take a backseat in that department to anybody. I've yet to see Alabama uh, line up in a 20 personnel where you have both Brian Robinson and Najee Harris on the field at the same time, and those three talented wide receivers, I think if if need be, if um, Lanes, I mean, if uh, Coach Sark starts to see where they're starting to blitz it, the one way that you can you can uh, slow down a blitz is you can do it by formation and you can do it by personnel. You could see Brian Robinson uh, kind of flexed out like another wide receiver. Najee's still in the backfield with with Mac, and that's
3: going to basically key who's who's coming as far as the Georgia defense. Oh, absolutely, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Lane Kiffin is an elite play caller. That's what he's best at. Steve Sarkeesian is an elite play caller. What, I think what he's actually best at is is quarterback uh, development. And you know, if you we'd have mm-hmm. done this interview two days earlier, my first point on offense would have been my concern that Nick Saban was going to Sark's business. I would have said the first thing that needs to happen is Nick needs to live, leave Sark alone and let him run the offense on Saturday. One mm-hmm. of the great things about being the interim head coach on Saturday is we don't have to worry about that happening. Steve Sarkisian is going to have free reign uh, to call the plays and, you're exactly right, my friend. Alabama's run 191 offensive plays this year, and they've run exactly zero plays from the 20 formation. So you were completely right about that. And I, I think that we're, you know, Sarkees, hes a bright, bright individual, and uh, I will be very, very shocked if we don't see him use the person that I think—and and no, no offense to Mac Jones, but in my opinion, Alabama's leading Heisman can. Candidate for this year, and that's number seventeen, Jalen Waddle. I think we're going to see Steve Sarkeesian use Jalen Waddle Saturday night in some very unique, creative ways that we have not seen him use him all year. And I think on the offensive side, Jalen Waddle will be the X factor for Alabama.
1: And that's a name that that I, I've told told um, all the listeners this week and, and some other conversations on interviews that I've done. You haven't seen Jalen Waddle really break um, what I call one of those special punt returns yet, and with Kirby being extremely aggressive and sometimes careless um, with with some of those fourth down calls, like we saw against Tennessee, if you get the ball in Waddle's hands, whether it's on a reverse, whether it's one on one of those flanker screens or or flare routes. I think you could absolutely see Jalen absolutely line, lining up as a Wildcat quarterback in a couple of, um, a couple of snaps just to throw this um, Georgia
3: defense off oh, the seals a little and, bit. And, and that is very much in the playbooks. Yeah, if, if Georgia uh, special teams coordinator, and I laugh and I say that tongue-in-cheek, that's the title they've given him, uh, Scott Cochran, <laughs> who I've always called the mouth of the South, Um, if the mouth of the South is dumb enough to punt the ball to Jalen Waddell on Saturday night, he deserves what he gets. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Very well put Kevin,
1: my friend, um, what is what is your your final thoughts here on, on the matchup? Because I do feel we're going to see part two of this matchup in the SEC championship game with Florida going to A&M and having that huge loss basically gives Georgia a a basically a free run here where they want to win the game, but it's not one of those. Oh, absolutely. I
3: think uh, I would be shocked if we don't see a rematch of this game in, in mid December at, in, in Atlanta. Um, you know, I, I've waffled back and forth and I'm still waffling at this time over which team I think will actually win on Saturday. I think it could be a coin flip either way, mm-hmm. uh, but I definitely think the, 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 the rematch is in store. But I will say this. I mean, I, I hate that Coach Saban isn't going to be on the sideline, but I have a lot of confidence in Steve Sarkeesian's ability. And he's the only coach on that staff that's qualified to step in as the intermed coach. Let's make that really, really right. clear. Um, you know, if, if something were to happen to Georgia were to win Saturday, <clears throat> you know um you know Alabama fans can always lean on the fact that you know wasn't Nick Saban on the sidelines uh, although i will say this you know Steve Sarkisian he had to, he, this is the second time he's been asked to do this at Alabama remember he was thrust into the offensive coordinator's uh role uh, the week before the Clemson game and he was not the reason we lost that game i will argue with anybody had Bo Scarborough not broken his leg in that game Alabama would have won the national championship in that game and now he's asked to step in as the as the uh, interim mm-hmm. coach a lot of confidence in him, but uh, I will say I, I, I'm going to make a crazy prediction. Whoever loses the game on Saturday night will probably win the SEC Championship game simply because these teams are so evenly matched, either team sweeping the other team 2 0. And if that were to happen and if the champion, SEC Championship game is as competitive as I think it will be like Saturday's game, Kenneth, we may see round three in the playoffs. Very well could be Kevin.
1: Let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and give them where they sure, can you also can call, hear you. follow on me radio. on Twitter
3: at let at L E X K Y Tide, uh, And you can hear me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. Central on the Bill King show. Uh, I do a, a weekly segment talking Alabama football. So uh, give it a listen, but give Bill a listen five days a week. It truly is the greatest, uh, you know, college football radio show out there. And and keep listening, my my buddy Kenneth here, uh, I keep telling Kenneth, uh, Kenneth should be a general manager for an NFL team. His knowledge of football just never ceases to amaze me and his passion. And and, and my friend, I will say it again, it's been an honor uh, to be a guest on with you today.
1: Kevin, my friend, thank you so much for the kind words. and look forward Have a great day, uh, everybody, and roll time. That was Kevin Hagan, everyone. Uh, Like I said, you can catch Kevin on with Bill King Friday morning. Thank you. Kevin, thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you just heard from my good friends, the Georgia Dog and Kevin Hagan, once again, giving you their their thoughts on this matchup. Um, Here's the kind of game script for me that I came up with that is going to be the key for each team coming away with a win in this ball game. For Georgia, you have to break tendencies here. On offense, you want to run the ball, and that's fine, but in order to stay in this game, you're going to need to throw the ball early, Um, whether it's George Pickens or Jackson, who I think has been, by far and away, the best wide receiver um, for Georgia in this early season. You heard Georgia dog talk about the, the outstanding tight ends. You got to hit some seam routes um, with those guys as well. But in order for you to get to that 45 carry number, you're going to have to, to not fall behind early, and you're going to have to take your shots, uh, whether it's with Jackson, whether it's with Pickens on the outside. And yes, we know about the little flare routes um, and what we call the angle routes, um, whether it's Zamir White, whether it's Cook, whether it's any one of these talented running backs, um, Kendall Milton uh, coming out of the backfield. So I expect that um, Darnell... Washington, the tight end will be a feature um, in the, in this Georgia um, passing attack on Saturday. Uh, given what we've seen Alabama give up to tight ends in the first couple of games, it would almost be idiotic not to um, kind of have that as a staple um, as far as your offense goes. For the Alabama defense, you have to now decide if we can't um, get what we need, we have to manufacture it. And that brings to mind a uh, picture in my mind of uh, Bill Coward, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the time, and he was talking to his outstanding linebacker, Greg Lloyd, and you can find the clip on YouTube, but he basically tells Greg Lloyd, your only job today is to rush the quarterback. Don't worry about dropping into coverage. Don't worry about spying the, the running back or tight end. Your job is to rush the quarterback. Christian Harris, um, who has been a liability in, in pass coverage, he needs to be the fourth rusher on this defense. We know that LeBron Ray needs to step up, D.J. Dale, uh, Balmore, um, Mathis, all of those guys have to step up and and help get some pressure. But Christian Harris needs to be that designated um, rusher, whether he's rushing in the A-gap between the guard and center, or uh, he's coming on a loop and, coming around the around the edge so he starts like he's gonna come in a gap and then he loops around and comes outside of the tackle so you can run some twists you can run some stunts but he you can take him out of pass coverage just by doing that secondly and you guys have heard me talk about this name and i will continuously talk about this name as long as this young man is performing and that's malachi moore I would tell Malachi Moore, he's the spy, not the spy on the quarterback Bennett, but he is the spy on those running backs, whether it's Milton, whether it's um, Zamir, he is to spy any of those running backs coming out because while they're really good out of the backfield, they aren't what I call a Christian McCaffrey where you can run wide receiver routes with them they're gonna run a screen, they're gonna run an angle, or they're gonna run um, kinda like a a stop route where you basically um, go five, seven yards, you turn around, it's a quick curl route and, and, and catch it. So I would tell Malachi Moore that your number one job is spy that running back. If that running back stays in you immediately have one or two things, depending on um, how many receivers they have on the field at that time. You either drop into a zone or you go blitz. You make Bennett uncomfortable. Now, flipping it over, the Alabama offense, you've had struggles running the ball. I'm not talking about that old Miss numbers. I, I I refuse to accept that this team is good enough to run the ball for 200 yards in a game against Georgia. I'm not even going in that direction. So what do you do in that, in, in in that situation? I think there is a package to where you can see Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders on the field um, where you're in, 20 personnel, but it's from the shotgun. And now you have those two guys in the backfield, both good enough pass receivers out of the backfield, to where now you can formation and with with some with some motion, uh, whether you basically start both of those guys out wide, so you look like you're in a five-wide receiver set in motion one or both back in the backfield, you can now read George's keys so to speak, you now know, okay, how many guys are in the box, whether it's six, whether it's seven, whether it's eight, and then you're going to key, and this is this is key for, for me to say this, if Monte Rice, who is going to be a game, di- game time decision, if he is on the field, which I expect him to go, um, whether he's limited or not, he is my Mike. So I'm setting my protections based on which side of the center he's lined up on. And I'm now going to force Georgia to to open their playbook and tell me what the defensive call is. And that's when I start running some quick speed outs, some quick um, curl routes. Everybody knows how deadly the slants are. But let me signal this really quickly nobody runs the sluggle route on alabama's roster better than Devonte smith so what you're going to see in the first half and i know coach start really well he's going to set you up slant 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 come the second half when especially if georgia starts to get really aggressive and those uh corners start to start to kind of peek in the backfield that's when you will see Sarge signal to Mack and say, "Okay, now hit the slant and go." Devonte Smith will absolutely carve up this Georgia defense when they call it. I'm not saying if, I'm saying when they call it, because I fully expect that route to be um, be put into the into the game plan. So I will be looking for it. And, and and really kind of highlighting that um on, on the recap podcast, but this is a matchup where you have to play off your tendency. So you can't you can't be who you want to be in this game. You're going to have to mask some of that. So Alabama, you have to get out to an early lead. It will force Georgia to have to throw the ball much more than they want to in this ball game. For Georgia, you're going to have to throw the ball, especially early on first down and especially early in the first half, because you cannot afford to fall behind um, to this Alabama offense by two scores. It will be a long night in Tuscaloosa if you if you go that route. Jordan Battle, who will be out for the first half, um, it will be interesting for me to see who lines up in that free safety spot filling in form. Could you see Malachi Moore step in and go from that star position to the free safety spot? Absolutely. Um, could you see Josh Job go into the slot and maybe get another one of those corners on the field? Possibly. But the key for Alabama, especially on the defensive side, is you take Christian Harris and you make him a designated pass rusher. And that is how you stay in the ballgame.
0: We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbo and her organization, I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm Changing the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport, to live lives of purpose, passion, and platform. Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information, please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org. Billy, we saw the line go from Alabama being favored by as much as six in some spots to Alabama by four with the news of Coach Saban. Summer the line as we sit here on Friday afternoon is back up to Alabama by four and a half. Alabama is getting 57% of the money and we will have more information on Saturday morning's show. Thanks Kenneth and Billy. We also want to say thank you to Gator Dave, Ole Miss Evie, Georgia Dog and Kevin Hagan for joining Kenneth this week. Please give them all a follow on Twitter at LexKYtide for Kevin, at Gator Dave underscore SEC for Dave, and at Gators Breakdown. We have made a few changes to the podcast format. I will have the weather forecast for all the games and Billy will give you a final look at the lines on Saturday morning. Be sure that catch Kenneth breaking down the game of the week in the SEC on the Southern Gentleman Sports Show with Georgia Dog, Pac-12 Dave, Nullcore, Irish Bill, Tiger Mike, and Miss Callie Cash the ticket 850. You can stream the show at www.wearsportsradio.com. In closing, we want to say thank you for listening. And be sure to head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. And please give a follow to our good friend Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site at The Rebel Walk. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at time underscore advantage and check out our website www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com. For Billy and Kenneth, this is Summer. Have a great day, everyone.
2: Some guys might decide that it's a little too tough or it's a little too hard, it's a little too demanding. I'll give you a little example. I got an anonymous letter
3: from a parent
2: said you know we just kind of bummed out this year that uh the boys only get two weeks off before they start their summer conditioning program you know normally they get three well we gave them a week at the start of the semester rather than at the end but here's my point okay it's division one football it's a big 12 You got two weeks after finals, you got a week of July 4th, and you got a week before camp starts. That's a month. That's probably more vacation than you guys get. And we're a little bummed out that we don't get three weeks. Go play intramurals, brother.
1: Go play intramurals.